Greetings. Here comes Thursday morning, February 4th. Uh, actually, make that Thursday afternoon, February 4th. I'm going to blind cat running 2021. Mic on. Enjoy the feature presentation. Mic off. For the blind and physically challenged, uh, we're very fortunate to have Dr. Alan Patterson this afternoon, which is going to give us a presentation on how to avoid depression. At this time, we'll have the song service. Okay, let's turn in our hymnals to page 547. Be thou my vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me save that thou art thou my best thought by day or by night waking or sleeping thy presence my light be thou my wisdom be thou my true word i ever with thee thou with me lord thou my great father i thy true son thou in me dwelling and i with thee one riches i heed not nor man's empty praise thou my inheritance now and always thou and thou only first in my heart i king of heaven my treasure thou art high king of heaven when victory is won 
May I reach heaven's joys. O bright heaven, sun, heart of mine own heart, whatever befalls still my vision. Let's turn in our hymnals to page 554, Oh, Let Me Walk With Thee. Oh, let me walk with thee, my God, as Enoch walked in days of old. Place thou my trembling hand in thine, and sweet communion with me hold. And though the path I may not see, yet Jesus let me walk with thee. I cannot, dare not walk alone. The tempest rages in the sky. A thousand snares beset my feet. O oh, thousand foes are lurking nigh. Still thou the raging of the sea. O oh, master, let me walk with thee. If I may rest my hand in thine, I'll count the joys of earth but loss, and firmly, bravely journey on. I'll bear the banner of the cross, Till Zion's glorious gate I see, yet, Savior, let me walk with thee. And let's turn over to 412, covered with his life. Look upon Jesus, sinless is he. Father, impute his life unto me. My life of scarlet, my sin and woe, covered with his life, whiter than snow. Covered with his life, whiter than snow. Fullness of his life, then shall I know. My life of scarlet, my sin and woe. Covered with his life, whiter than snow.
Thank you, David. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for watching over us. We thank you for the good time we're having here at this virtual camp. We thank you for the messages that we've heard. And we ask that thou give us the desire and the strength to do what we are taught. And we ask that thou just be with Dr. Patterson as he presents the subject this afternoon. Amen. Amen. David has uh, consented to have some special music uh, this afternoon. play Faith of Our Fathers. Dr. Patterson, the time is yours. Thank you, Dave, for the special music. And it, it reminded me that no one ever asked me to do special music when I played my tuba. <laughs> no, I don't have it. No, but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, tubas usually aren't asked to do a solo very much. You know, the trombones, the clarinets, the saxophones, and trombones, and all those. But 
No, no, the tubas, they just sit in the back and go, oompa, oompa. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, our um, fourth meeting today, um, I think it was actually from um, Tuesdays I meant to uh, mention something. Um, I don't think it was today. But one thing I did want to share um, in when we were talking about not having negative thoughts, negative speech, and that, but uh, one time I had a lady in my exam room. I happened to know her very well. I had known her since I was a child. She worked with my mom. Very pleasant lady. Um, I always liked her as a child, you know, thought she was nice and um, different adults, people her age that knew her, uh, really thought a lot of her, uh, really cared for her. And she was in my exam room and she suffered from anxiety and depression. And I asked her in the exam room one day to write 10 good things about herself. And the answer that I got wasn't what was impressive to me but her physical reaction to the question. She actually drew back from me in her chair and crossed her arms and said, I could never do that. I could never do that. And that's because her mind was in such a state of... Um, mental unhealth. She didn't think rationally. Maybe it is in today's lecture, but anyway, I wanted to share that with you, and it's impressive, uh, again, that when, our, when we're not thinking right, just like the first day when I talked about the birds knowing where my car is in the parking lot, it's those type of thoughts and types of thought patterns that when we are having difficulty with a good mental health, that um, are, are part of the picture um, and part of what we need to correct and, and address appropriately. So, um, part four already, only one more day. Not liking the clicker today. It lights up. It says it's on. Oh, maybe it wasn't. Oh, did you do that? There we go. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. So um, we've talked about medication a little bit before. Um, and we mentioned that that really doesn't get at the root of depression. It covers um, the symptoms. Um, so um, you will get some improvement in mood, um, but um, as far as really getting at the, um, the source of the depression, it's not that effective. Um, there will be some improvement in the frontal lobe, and remember we talk, we've talked a little bit about the frontal lobe um, as making good decisions, 
collecting information to make the right decision that we want, the healthy decision, the wise decision. Um, less than 20% will actually feel back to normal on medications. They may feel better, but not really back to normal. 25 to 30% say they have no improvement, and roughly 50% have bothersome side effects. So um, you can see with this information that not really a lot of attractiveness, so to speak, to medication. 75% state that the depression continues to impair their social work or, and or family and work life. Um, relapse rates once medications are stopped um, are high and some people can even relapse while they're on medications. Having said these negative, brought up these negative points, they still do have a place um, at times. So again, I wouldn't stop medications if you're on it. I wouldn't tell you not to start a medication, but remembering that they do have um, a place sometimes. Uh, it's just like if you've ever had a broken bone and had your hand or arm in a cast. Um, I don't know if anybody here remembers, but several years ago the camp doctor um, crashed while he was skiing and had a cast on for a while, if any of you remember that. If you don't, I, I think somebody here might be able to tell you that story again. But that cast was not really something I wanted to wear. It was bothersome. It got in the way when I took a shower. It got in the way when I drove my stick shift car. But I was glad I had it on while my fractures healed. So kind of in the same thing, sometimes the medications um, may be appropriate and um, um, be good to be on for a while uh, at times. So <clears throat> uh, recommendation really is if possible use them for about 6 to 12 months and then discontinue because again these will help get through as we're working on the causes of the depression, help our mood a little bit during that time and then uh, discontinue. Uh, some of the more common medications for depression uh, the trade names, Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, Celexa, Effexor, Lexapro, uh, Wellbutrin's another one. These are some of the common ones. And typically, uh, most of these medications are a class of what we call selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So what they do is they slow down the metabolism of serotonin so our serotonin levels increase in our body. And remember, that's kind of our mood-stabilizing hormone. The medications can cause apathy, can cause weight gain, can cause GI side effects. And, um, you know, you can, you can imagine easily that these are not really side effects that uh, a lot of people like. Um, then the next step is, as we had talked earlier about counseling or... Uh, um, a psychologist counseling and therapy um, and traditional counseling has been shown to be no better than placebo. Any medical study that's done they have a placebo arm of the study where they give a, a treatment or a therapy that has no medicinal effect, no therapeutic effect um, and some people do get better on placebo um, which, it, it, yeah, and it sounds kind of funny, but in a way, 
it, it shows how powerful the mind is. Because when you give the placebo to a patient, you're not telling them that this is a medication that won't do anything. You tell them this is a medication that's a treatment. So in those cases, that's where the mind actually is working as a medication, if you will, right. to, to actually give you an improvement. So, um, and with counseling, in fact, some patients can actually get worse with the traditional type counseling. And the traditional type counseling is um, typically where the counselor or therapist will go back into your younger life, your past life, and try and determine what happened there and try and work through that to address the current issues that you're uh, trying to deal with and work through. So um, when I was 10 years old, I wanted um, a, a Buddy L record truck for Christmas. And my folks got me a Tonka truck instead. And because of that, I have difficulty with relationships now 20 years later, 30 years later. I have difficulty with authority figures and stuff like that. Well, that can have an impact, but you can't focus on that. I have to realize that's something that happened in the past and say, okay, it happened and move forward in my life. But like I say, with traditional counseling, a lot of times they go back to that issue or that event and they focus there. And so that can actually cause more problems because they keep bringing it up, keep it fresh in my mind, and don't let me put it to rest. Okay? Um, and the other day I talked to you about cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. Much better type of counseling. That was basically originated in the 1980s. Um, and they actually did a study with chronic depression. And chronic depression is at least two years with no improvement. And in this study, the average was 20 years with no improvement. So that's a pretty long time, right? 20 years? They used the medication Surzone and intensive psychotherapy, the CBT. 85% showed improvement. Now, is that impressive or what? 85%. Right. Um, it's the, the official name of it is Cognitive Behavioral Analysis System of Psychotherapy. So it focuses on a, on a person or personal responsibilities. So if, if when I come to blind camp every year, no one talks to me and nobody likes to sit with me at meals and stuff like that, is that because of how I act, how I speak? Most likely. Because the people at blind camp are not unfriendly. The people at blind camp don't look at certain people and say, I like you and I don't like you. Yeah, you have your friends, but I've been enough blind camps to see how you interact with everybody. And, and there aren't cliques, there aren't people that are ostracized or pushed off in a corner. So what is my responsibility to being friendly? What is my responsibility to being um, enjoyable to be around? 
So, like I say, that's the big difference in, in cognitive behavioral therapy. Focuses on me, the patient, and what I can do to change. If I don't take a shower all of blind camp, and we've been biking, we've been snow skiing, whatever, depending on winter or summer, and I stink towards the end of blind camp, nobody does want to sit with me probably. I need to change. I need to take a shower so I don't stink. So no side effects with cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's at least <coughs> as effective as medications. And it actually changes the brain chemistry. How we think, how we look at what we're doing, and how we look at what we can do to improve actually changes the brain chemistry. And um, with this uh, CBT, it's actually very successful in treating post-traumatic stress disorder, anorexia, depression, different phobias, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. Cognitive behavioral therapy, thoughts and perceptions, and these have an impact on how you feel. <clears throat> when I was younger, my brother and I went to our bedroom door one morning, and we each opened our bedroom door. And guess what? The rooms, our, each of our rooms was full of horse manure. And my brother said, oh great, a room full of horse poop. And you know what I said? Give me a shovel. There's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> Thoughts or perceptions. When something happens to us, when we hear something, when we see something, when we participate in something, what do I think about it? How do I perceive it? And you don't have to like everything in life. That's not what we're getting at. But do we choose to make it something that's a roadblock for us? Or do we choose to look at it and say, hey, it's something I did it. Okay, I may not do it again. Just like driving the car, Sparky. You may not ever want to drive a car again. That's okay. <laughs> right. So your thoughts and perceptions. You had thought about driving a car. And then when you drove it, were your thoughts accurate? Was it as fun as you thought it would be? It's fun. Let's turn over. Let's drive down. Yeah. So, you know, when we, when we experience something, um, again, it may not be as enjoyable as we thought it would be or whatever, and that's okay, but we can let it go. We don't have to focus on it and say, oh, that was a terrible experience. I can never do anything right. I can never pick anything right. And so I'll just sit here and and just sit in my chair and do nothing because I can't pick things that are right. So thoughts and perceptions. And again, that impacts how you feel, your attitude towards it. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to people, I've seen people that have done something and been disappointed in it for whatever reason, and they just can't let go of it. They can't let go of it. So, um, and your feelings results from the thought more so than what's actually happening a lot of times. Did I think it happened like I wanted it to or I should? Or did it not? 
did I think it hurt me, but actually didn't hurt me, and is that where I'm kind of stuck? <clears throat> so, you may have feelings of unfulfillment. You may not feel um, successful. You may not feel um, attractive or intelligent or whatever. But, um, you know, one thing with intelligence that I've found um, over the years, every now and then I might be in a, in a lecture or something and they may ask a question and I may know the answer and nobody else does. And when I answer it, everybody afterwards will say, wow, you were so smart. How did you know the answer? And I said, well, if you notice, that was the only question I answered because I didn't know the rest of any of the other answers. <laughs> so a lot of times, intelligence is a perception. And another way to look at it, another way I look at it quite often, is um, if you were on a trip and you were back in the Amazon jungle. No roads, no highways, nothing. You know, they travel by canoes or whatever in the, on the rivers, and they have the little paths in the jungle. And you got back there, and you were lost. And some native comes up, and they've got a bone through their nose or whatever, and however they're dressed. They can't read or write, but they know how to get you out of there. Would you think they were very smart? Sure, sure you would. Absolutely. Just look at them about yeah. When you look at them, if you gave them a, a test from, are you smarter than a fifth grader, they may fail. But you're right to get out of that jungle situation and get you back to where you're comfortable and you know where you're going. So intelligence a lot of times depends on what the problem is and do you know how to fix that problem. So... Um, yep. So you can change the way you think. Amen. So, um, again, I've talked to different people about something and, you know, said, hey, you know, this looks like you could do this better or I wouldn't do it that way. And sometimes people will say, oh, I'm so stupid. Well, again, it's not that you're stupid. It just depends on how you've looked at the problem and if you're aware that something else um, may be involved in impacting that issue and problem. So you can change your values for the positive. And negative thoughts <coughs> nearly always involve gross distortion. And we're going to talk about some distortions and miscon mis misconceptions in that today. Bad feelings are usually worse than the event itself. Twisted thoughts are a major source of suffering. There's what they call the ABCs of CBT. There's an acting, activating event, there's a belief, and a consequence. So, I don't know if any of you have heard, but the weather report for tonight is snow. So the acting event is snow, activating event is snow. So what's the consequence? Is that a good or a bad thing? It depends on how you look at it. Correct. For kids that want a snow day tomorrow, it's a great thing because hopefully they have enough snow and school is called off and they get a snow day. Um, if you have to go to work tomorrow and you don't like to drive in the snow, 
then it's probably a bad thing because your belief is the roads are going to be slippery, they're going to be dangerous, and you're going to slide off into the ditch or somebody's going to crash into your car and, and you're going to have a terrible time. So, And you can see that with part of that, if I worry all night and don't sleep because I'm worried somebody is going to hit my car tomorrow in the snow and that doesn't happen tomorrow, I've worried all night about something that never happened. So activating events, beliefs, and consequences. Cognitive distortion, all or nothing thinking. I always, I was talking to my sister one day, several years ago, and we were talking on the phone, and we were talking about something, and she said, I'm always the last to know. And I, I couldn't even stop myself. I, it happened before I even thought. I said, Julie, you're depressed. And she didn't say anything for a couple seconds, and then the phone hung up. <laughs> so um, we as a family never got together and said, okay, um, we're going to do such and such, but nobody called Julie until we've talked to everybody else. It didn't always happen that she was always the last to know. Sometimes she was the last to know, but she made that cognitive distortion that it's either all or nothing. Not usually I'm the last one to know or often I'm the last one to know, but always. We can have overgeneralization, feelings of rejection. Again, um, sometimes I'm preoccupied. I'm thinking about something and I may not notice you walking down the hall or whatever. And again, this is where overgeneralization is. Oh, Dr. Patterson doesn't like me. He didn't say hi to me today. Mm -hmm. Well, I might not have even noticed you. Um, and then um, our mental filter is usually better at taking negative things, but we can take positive things as well. But we'll take a negative thing, concentrate on it, and blow it out of proportion of the real events. Mm -hmm. So these are things that cognitive health therapy helps us work on. Um, also disqualifying the positive. Um, oh, I picked this again and it broke apart. It didn't work. It, it didn't do what I expected it to. I never picked the right thing. Well, remember two weeks ago when you did? Well, yeah, that was one time out of a million. And that was just luck. It, you know, I'm not really that good at picking things out. Um, so, and yeah, this was where I was going to tell you about the, uh, the patient that I had, this lady that I had known for years, um, that she couldn't give me 10 things about herself. And what was very interesting with that even was I talked to a couple people that knew her, and, and I told them, I said, yeah, I had this patient in my room, uh, visited me the other day, and I asked her to write down 10 things about herself, and she couldn't. And the, the lady that I told that to, she said, you've got to be kidding me. I could do that in like five seconds. But she disqualified the positive, 
and she had these other misconceptions, she just couldn't um, bring out the positive, recognize the positive in herself. It's interesting because there's quite a bit of exercise sometimes when we don't have a good, healthy mental um, attitude in that because one of the other things is jumping to conclusions. Mm -hmm. So you can see that you're running off after negative thoughts that aren't really there. You're worrying and stressing about things that may never happen, and now we're jumping to conclusions. You're a mind reader. It's not good to worry either. That's right. It's not good to worry. But it causes ulcers in your stomach. Yep, absolutely. Ulcers. It can cause ulcers. And one thing I've also learned, too, is that you are your worst critic. You often are your worst critic, absolutely. Mind reading. How many of you like somebody saying, I know what you're thinking? I know why you did that. Sometimes it can be offensive. Because sometimes people are not right at all. The reason that they think you did something, the reason they think I did something may be totally wrong. And there's the fortune teller error. I tell people all the time, I do not have a crystal ball. I do not have a crystal ball. And truly, sometimes what we think is going to happen, how we plan to um, appreciate an event or something, a meal or whatever, can make a big difference on whether it was a pleasant or an unpleasant uh, activity or meal. Mm -hmm. Magnification or minimization. <coughs> we make things bigger than they really are. We make a mountain out of a molehill. Mm -hmm. Or we shrink something down to make it insignificant. I bet I did that before. Emotional reasoning. I feel like a dud, therefore I am a dud. <laughs> So, do I prepare myself to act in a certain way? If I don't have self-respect for, my, for myself, do you think other people are going to treat me with respect? No. Not usually. You're right, Rodney. They're going to disrespect you. They probably are. Yeah. So, and really, who is, who is more important in this room right now? Jesus Christ, absolutely. But none of us have really a better self-worth than anyone else. Because I'm a doctor, am I more important than you are, Warren? Jesus is more important. Right. But because I'm a doctor, that doesn't make me more important than you. That's right. Because right. Every one of us has got our own individual. Everyone is, is correct. I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to think that idolized like certain uh, musicians and I was told by my dad that uh, they put their pants on one leg at a time like the rest of us. Your dad was very wise, Jamie, absolutely. I've heard some stories about quotes famous people, athletes or whatever, big names. And some of them are really jerks. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What I've learned, most of them are. Yeah. Well, and, and we could go into some discussions about why they are, perhaps, sometimes. Yeah. But 
each one of us is really just as important as the other person. So, God is no respecter of persons. That's true. Unfortunately, some people are, but truly, if we're standing in line to get into a place, we all should have our own turn where we are in line. Mm -hmm. I, if I came five minutes behind you and said, hey, I, I'm a busy man, I need to go in front of you, that's too bad for me, I should have gotten there earlier then. So, and extrapolating thoughts into reality. We can talk ourselves into things. So we have to be careful that I don't have a negative thought pattern and I convince myself that it's a, a reality. And feeling inadequate. Um, and that can um, bring on thoughts of worthlessness and that. Labeling and mislabeling. Oh, that's, that's a, a, a famous singer or that's a famous athlete. Therefore, they're more important than I am or more important than the average person. Um, mislabeling. Well, this is, it, might, it might be good for them, but it's not good for us. And what, what we can do is good, they couldn't do. Yeah, that's a very good point, Rodney. Um, just because David can play the trumpet, does that mean I'm worthless because I can't play the trumpet? No. No, I might be able to play the tuba better than he can play the trumpet, actually. Yeah, but you're a doctor. You can't really play the trumpet if you're a doctor. You know. Is that right? <laughs> So, Warren, I'm going to have to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to say something. Some are multi talented, okay? Yeah. Okay, so David can play the trumpet, and so he might he can play his hand flute, too. So, yep. I mean, there's different degrees of right. capability. Right. Right. <laughs> so, exactly, recognizing that different people have different talents and ability, and really all are important in, in living life. Yeah. So, yep. <laughs> personalization, if you had a role in it, and you can take ownership of it, and recognize, again, what is a reasonable expectation, and sometimes the first time we do something, it doesn't turn out right. So we do have to practice. Very few people pick something up their first time and do it perfectly. So um, again, it's my grandson sometimes, it's interesting to watch him. I'll do something and say, okay, you try it. Oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. Well, Elliot, I have practiced, I've done it for years. So. Just because you don't get it right the first time, you keep practicing, and when you get to be my age, you'll be able to do it um, better than you did it the first time, too. So taking ownership of it and recognizing it. How do you and know if you might, can't yeah. do something unless you try it first? There you go, Warren. You You're right. So, again, the importance of worthlessness. And even if you can contribute something to one person, you don't... Again, some people I had, a, when I was a resident, a doctor came in to lecture to us um, at, a, at a noon meeting one day. And he came in, and I forget, there were four or five people there, six people, there weren't very many people there. 
Well, he, he stayed in the room for a little bit and not very many people came in, so he stormed out because his time was too important to just talk to those five or six or eight people. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's pretty sad because what if, what if his lecture to one of those young doctors, doctors in training, had given them information and a month later, six months later, five years later, one of his family members was under their care and that doctor treated them appropriately because of what they had learned in his lecture. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and sometimes truly you may talk to one person, you may have a positive impact on one person, and that person may have an impact on a great number of people. Mm -hmm. So, um, my goal really is to do at least one thing nice, one thing positive for one person each day. And I feel if I've done that, I've had a successful day. Mm -hmm. And if I have 10 or 12 people, that's okay too. I don't just limit it to one right. person, but I, I aim for one person. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. That's the thing we can do actually. Yep. Misbelief breakers. How we can break some of these misconceptions, these twisted thoughts, these distortions, and that. So on what facts do I base this notion? Is it just the way I think and I believe? No. Or is it a fact? If, if you step outside right now without your coat on, is it a fact that it's cool or cold weather in Michigan right now. It's a fact. Now, I will tell you that my wife will tell you it's terribly cold, it's freezing cold, and I'll tell you it's cool because we have a little different thermometers, so to speak. But both of us will tell you it's cool, so that's a fact. So when I look at something and say, it's cool out today, you should put a jacket on, that's a fact. Now, if I tell you it's bitterly cold, you should put on three pairs of long johns and two sweaters and three parkas, that's a notion that is not based on fact. So, and then what effective argument can I come up to contest the misconception or the inappropriate thoughts. What is the worst that could happen? Yeah. Or, I mean, you're probably not going to catch a cold unless you're staying out there for a while, really. But, but realistically, you step outside and you say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to go back and get my jacket, right? So what's the worst that can really happen? Could the facts be explained in other ways? Yeah. So, looking at ways to break the misbeliefs, acknowledging the truth, having truth therapy, listening to your thoughts, listening, um, again, having the argument or discussion, are my thoughts accurate? Getting in the habits of noticing misbeliefs. Just like I told you when I was talking to my sister, and she stated a misbelief. I'm always the last to know. Mm -hmm. 
And I was in such a habit of noticing it that, like I said, without even thinking, I said, Julie, that's not true. Getting the habit of challenging and replacing misbeliefs. Mm -hmm. If you're around somebody that has these misbeliefs and they say things, I'm always the last one in line for meals. Well, wait a minute, Rodney. No, you're not. Remember yesterday, we were first in line. Oh, yeah, that's right. So sometimes we just need to help ourselves or others redirect and recognize what actually happens. And just remind them. Reminders, absolutely. And practicing the truth. Like I always had to remind Rose for things. I mean, like for the watch band, for example, you know. Yeah. You know, you had to remind her about that if she got around to it or didn't get around to it. Yep. But Joyce, but know there's a, there, the, you, you, there, um, that she'll get, around, she'll get around to it when she has a chance. We are humans, absolutely. That's right. There's a story of a young lady named Rachel. Rachel um, had been married for a couple years, had a young daughter, and her husband left her, just um, ran off and left her. Well... They say when it rains, it pours. Right. Um, her work decided they were going to make some changes, and so her work, her job was no longer available. Mm. And again, when it rains, it pours, she found out her daughter, um, young daughter, I don't know if she was a year old even, had a problem with her eyes and needed an eye surgery. Well, of course, when she lost her work, she lost her insurance. Mm -hmm. So Rachel thought, what good am I? My life is worthless. Mm -hmm. I'm no good to my daughter because I don't have a job now. I can't provide her insurance. I won't be able to pay rent or mortgage on the house or apartment. And, you know, what what good is it? So I want to end my life. Well, fortunately, um, she came in contact with Dr. Nedley, and so he said, well, what, what are some things we could do? And, and he asked her some things, and she said, well, I don't think that is going to work. Anyway, so the bottom line is, in working with Rachel, they found a physician that would do the surgery for free from his part, no charge. And then there are other insurances Medicaid-type things and stuff for people that don't have work. So they found a way to get her daughter's eye surgery. And also then looking at her husband, she looked back and she realized in high school and all through that, he had never committed to a serious relationship. He was always hopping from girl to girl to girl anyway. So it wasn't that she was worthless and that no man would ever want to marry her or be with her again. It was just a... Keith just didn't have any um, ability to commit. And then for a place to live, she talked to her, uh, her parents, and they said that she could come back home and live with them while she was uh, finding another job and, and things like that. So when she actually looked at all of her problems and looked at them more objectively, uh, more from an accurate viewpoint, she found that there were solutions, and she recognized that 
truly her daughter would be better off with her because she was the biological mom and there's a, there's a bond there with your biological parent that just is really impossible to recreate with anyone else. So she found the truth. She just didn't come up with an optimistic thought pattern that, oh, everything will be fine, um, and worked through these different problems that she was facing, and, and everything really worked out. And sometimes it's good to have a good friend or family member that we can talk to and get a second opinion. One thing I've learned too, Doc, is <coughs> obstacles are made to go around, not through. Obstacles are made to go around, not through? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I like to go through them, though. Yeah, but they're a little tough. <laughs> they're a little tough on the head. <laughs> yeah, they can be, yep. So... And sometimes not every problem can be solved instantly or within an hour or two, perhaps. So sometimes we may need to write a thought down and come back and visit it again in a couple days or whatever. So um, a lot of times I've been in a hurry to get something to get things done because I feel like if, if I know I got to get something done, I feel like I can't relax until I know it's taken care of. That's that's. That can be true, and, and um, I like to do projects that I can finish in a day. Um, and there is something about having a problem or a project that's kind of lingering on and on. But we need to realize that some things in life do take time. Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, sometimes it's good to write them down and maybe work on them, and, and we may have a solution in five minutes, but the solution we come up after we've thought about a day, a day or two may be a better solution. So, um, a good example is mashed potatoes. Okay, you want the box kind, or you done in five seconds for the or you want to peel the potatoes and then boil them and then smash them, you know, that takes time. Rodney must be hungry. He's bringing up mashed potatoes. <laughs> well, he does. He does have a good point, though. Yep. It, yep. He really does. A actually, yeah, a very good point <laughs> that if you have the instant mashed potatoes, you can have them a lot quicker. Yeah. But they're not nearly as good as the homemade, mm -hmm. real mashed potatoes. Yes. Sparky. Rome was built in two days, not one day. <laughs> <laughs> two days. Now, Sparky, I don't remember seeing you there when they built it. Rome wasn't built in two days. That'll That's get that. That was born that after was... it was built. Yeah, and I was there when it was I built. It was just one. <laughs> I thought it was just one day, not two. Oh. So, today's talk focused primarily on cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, so we've given you some thoughts and ideas on CBT, and you can practice these, and you can even watch other people as they practice them or don't practice them and see the advantage in using this CBT. Um, again, avoiding misconceptions, overgeneralization, twisted thinking. Um, so that's what I have for today. Um, I got a question for you, um, Dr. Patterson. Yes. Sorry. Yes, Warren. Um, I've been having bowel movements, you know. And the question I want to ask you is, 
how often uh, should I have a bowel moment? I mean, um, that's a question I wanted to ask you. Well, um, in general, and we can talk later if you feel you have more questions or concerns with it. Um, typically, I would say for someone to have one to two bowel movements a day would be relatively normal. And now I know some people have like one bowel movement a week. Okay. And, and that, I would say, is not really normal. Okay. Um, but for some people it is. So, okay. Um, and uh, some people have four or five bowel movements a day. But and in general, for the average, if you have one or two bowel movements a day, as long as you're not feeling your abdomen being distended or uncomfortable, um, that, that's probably more important than how many bowel movements you actually have. Okay, and there's one more question I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. Now, I sneeze a lot. Is that normal to do that every day? Because I've been sneezing mm -hmm. probably a lot more than what I should. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's normal or not normal. Um, I would say typically it's not really normal to sneeze every day. Um, but, uh, but, it, but, but it happens. I mean, right. it just... Right, uh, and you may have some allergies. You may have allergies to... Like if you've been sneezing more during this week of blind camp, you may have an allergy or a sensitivity to something that's in the church here that you aren't normally exposed to. Okay. So, and then two, you can have allergies to um, different pollens or um, um, right plants, and depending on when they're blossoming or blooming in that, Okay. Um, and things do start really to flare up from a plant allergy standpoint. Well, I'm not allergic to anything, but March. I'm just wondering, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, why I'm doing it because, um, well, that's just what I was, what I was wondering, you know, because, I mean, I don't have the coronavirus that's going around. Mm -hmm. I know yeah. I don't have that. Okay. Because the coronavirus makes you cough mm -hmm. a lot. I know it does. And also, it makes you sneeze a lot. Mm -hmm. So I know I don't have one of those things, but that's what I was just wondering. Okay, yep. Sparky, did you have a question? Hey, Doc, what happens when you eat six burgers every day? Why do you eat six burgers every day? No, but one time I had like six burgers and I felt Well, you must crap. have been hungry, Sparky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> six burgers, oh boy. Yep. Should we eat six burgers a day? Should you eat six burgers a day? Well, what do you think, Sparky? Every other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, like, like a, a burger at one no, burger at lunchtime is good enough. Yeah, well, and again, different people have different metabolisms, and, and depending on how active you are okay. and, and what's the size of no. the burger, because you can have some burgers that are pretty small and other burgers that are pretty large and filling so yeah <laughs> yeah Wendy's hamburgers are pretty big too yeah yeah Wendy's hamburgers are pretty big too I know mm -hmm. and they are okay <laughs> it's hard sometimes <laughs> okay thank you very much Dr. Patterson uh, Dr. Patterson you know Georgia Kitchen uh, I asked her to come and be on our panel. 
She's not here. She's not here. She was a little bit concerned about COVID, and so she decided that she didn't want to participate. But I did ask her if she would tell some experience how God has blessed her in her life. And uh, she sent me a, a letter. And there's a lot in this letter. I don't have time to read it all, but she had quite a few things that she was thankful for. And you notice here, I, I really wanted her to come because you, there's no girls here. <laughs> I, Robin asked me if there were any girls at blind camp this year. And I, and said, I tried to here. get girls, but I couldn't get any to come. Yeah. And so I, I uh, what do you do? You just do with what you got. You know, That's we right. got a bunch of guys that are pretty good. Yep. You know, and uh, so anyway, I'll just read a couple of things here. She says, I am grateful to God for helping me every day of my life. I am grateful for God's word and how it helps me live uh, with my depression for the last 12 years. Uh, with this help, I have been able to decrease my medication by one third. And then she lists a lot of things that she was thankful for. Uh, they, there's a special organization of veter veterinarians that is a nonprofit, and they help animals, you know, for people that can't afford to pay money, uh, a lot of money for, for vet bills. And, uh, and she's grateful for her husband. Uh, he's 87 years old now. And uh, he's still doing good. You know, that's, that, that is really good. And she has a friend by the name of Tammy that's been a real helpful in her life. And she was thankful for her. She was thankful for Christian Record and Michigan Conference and how we've had these, these camps uh, for the years and how they've been an encouragement to her. But then she went on down further to the very end and she said this, I leave you with one of my favorite passages from the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for my, his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Psalms 23. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for what Dr. Patterson has taught us. We ask that thou help us to remember uh, some of these things and put them in practice in our lives. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Mic on. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Till next time. Ta-ta.